Coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, we've got another mini edition today. Myself, Antonis Pagonis, and Matt Olsen, we sat down and reacted to West United's one-all draw with MacArthur in the A-League Men Round 3 action last night. And then looking ahead to this Melbourne derby that is happening tonight. Officially sold out uh, is what we're being told, and it looks like it's going to be a massive occasion for the league. So yes, uh, I'm sure we'll all be tuning in. I definitely will be as well for this highly anticipated encounter. So yeah, we discussed uh, what it means for for the league a little bit. A massive crowd, but also on the park. Really interesting game uh, coming up tonight, and uh, yeah, gave our predictions as well for that one. So without further ado, I am your host Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another Front Page Football mini podcast. Tonight, I'm joined, once again, I'm actually joined by Antonis Pagonis and Matt Olsen. I don't know what's going on with some of the other Front Page Football contributors, but, um, you know, just just need more diversity on this panel at the moment. But anyway, without further ado, I've got Antonis and Matt here, and uh, we've just watched Western United and MacArthur draw one all at Amy Park in round three A-League action. Boys, uh, first of all, how are we? How are you? Thrilled to uh, come at you, um, hopefully with a clear um, perspective with my new microphone and a proper setup. Matt has uh, a new microphone. Unbelievable. Uh, and yeah, no, it's good. And we're just not, hoping anymore. And yeah, no more embarrassing um, elite uh, Peruvian journalists and dropping out because my phone is dead. So it's good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those who are listening to this podcast for the first time, uh, once we had, we did have a Peruvian journalist on. To, to preview the Socceroos playoff against Peru and Matt dropped out for technical reasons. Uh, so yeah, we're very, very much hoping that doesn't happen again. It actually did happen in the last podcast. So um, yeah. Anyway, Matt, we're, we're hoping for a better future. So regardless, one all draw, Weston and MacArthur. You didn't introduce Antonis. Antonis, how are you doing? Uh, he introduced me. I did. I did introduce. <laughs> yeah, Antonis just didn't go on some spiel Antonis about his technical and audio problems no, because he doesn't have any. I'm just, yeah, I'm just feeling very left out with my headphones. But that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but let's get into the game. Yeah. Antonis, is there anything? Is there anything else you know just playing on your mind that you just want to you just want to talk about because that's what. I've never dropped out. I don't mean to interrupt after giving you a segue there, Antonis. But seriously. I just, this is a podcast. You, if we just say yeah and good, we come off as really boring and like, you know, we've, we've got to actually talk. It's when we just, ourselves. And not everyone's Ooh. got stories about dropping out from pods with Peruvian journalists. I'm sorry. Oh, it's just a one, <laughs> one of a kind. Um, it's a very a unique experience. It really is a unique experience. And uh Yeah. If uh, I don't even know if Diego, if he's if he would be listening to this podcast, that'd be unbelievable <laughs> if he is. Though, <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, back to the subject matter of A League men action. Weston and MacArthur, as I've been saying three times now, one all draw, and uh, MacArthur took the lead, of course, with Matt Miller equalizer coming through Lockie Wales after a VAR check. Uh, he was definitely onside, definitely in my opinion, and uh, one all was the final score. Antonis. What uh, so Western are off the bottom with that with that result? What did you make of them tonight? How 
you know, how promising were the signs that you saw tonight for them going forward? Because to be honest, from my perspective, I thought there was a lot of good stuff to, you know, like about their performance. And if they continue in that form and that vein of form with DMRT getting just a brief cameo at the end and Prijevic hopefully coming back soon, they can rise and climb back up the table. Yeah, first and foremost, it was just good to see them not self-destruct like they have in the past couple of weeks. Mm. You know, last season, they were 1-0 FC and all three of these games, they've gone behind. So it was actually good to see them fall behind and actually work back into a match. And at the end, you could even argue they'd be feeling hard done by with a point that could have gone and won it. So as you said, positive signs. MacArthur's looked pretty good the first year round. So it was good to see Western United take it up against a side of that quality. Absolutely. And yeah, I just thought Western, they looked uh, much better in definitely the transition moments. So, you know, that was one thing, definitely an aspect of their their championship was how good they were in those counter-attacking moments, right? And and that's why they were so happy to, to sit back and absorb pressure for so many of those games. Uh, and, you know, as we've alluded to before, came kind of 1-0 FC. But anyway, they looked really good in those moments, I thought, tonight. I thought Wales played really well. Uh, Payne looked all right. Troisi had his moments. You know, they all kind of had their individual moments here and there. Neil Kilkenny, Neil um, sorry, I thought he was uh, fantastic uh, in midfield as well for them too. So, yeah, Matt, I think uh, positive signs all around for, for Western. And you hope that, you know, what they were probably lacking tonight was just that number nine who, who could give them that finishing touch. But as we know, they do have that. He just isn't playing at the moment in Previch. Yeah, look, I, thought, I think both sides um, actually showed showed some strengths and, and showed some weaknesses. I think a, a draw probably is a fair result in the end. Um, you thought, what did you think? United... What did you make of the MacArthur performance then? You thought there were some positives? I would say there was because when, talking about when they had sort of first taken the lead in the game, it was a slow start, you know, not not exactly the best atmosphere in the world, if we're honest, uh, pouring with rain. It's the kind of game where you as an individual are going to really struggle. Um, you know, I, I sort of have an old adage that that champion teams, they, they play poorly and find a way to win. And I saw a bit of that in MacArthur. Um, and, and you know, they've, they've been showing themselves as a quality side for, for weeks and weeks to, to start the season. So for that to have sort of come out at a time when, when it was, when it was, you know, really crappy conditions for them, really. Um, that was a, a mega positive for me, but obviously the overall performance still lacked. And, and that's why I say that a draw was more deserved to actually answer your question with regards to Western United. Look, I think uh, they, they did the bare minimum today. They, they did what, what they probably would have wanted to do to improve but again, they didn't polish that enough to make that a winning performance. So that's why, you know, from, from both perspectives, you can see the upside. You can very much see the downside as well. I think a draw is completely, completely fair on how this game went. And I, I don't think it was as bad as people are saying, but yeah, it, it definitely wasn't an amazing game of football. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And Azani, I thought, was very peripheral. And look, he's not going to, you know, you can't have expectations that he's going to line up every single game. That's That's... Not what I'm saying, but I guess when there is a perspective from Graham Arnold potentially that you know A League players really have to be performing at a real high level if they are going to make this Socceroo squad heading into the World Cup. Every minute that he's on a football pitch right now, he is going to be scrutinised in that fashion. So yes. taking that into account, he probably did miss an opportunity to 
to stake his claim a little bit further. I thought it was interesting. There was a chance in the second half where MacArthur uh, launched a counterattack and Noons sprayed the ball out to Alzani and he was just driving at Western's defense and I believe it was Lacroix as well. And it was very similar to the goal he scored against Adelaide last week, Mm -hmm. a very similar situation, but he decided to, he opted to go to his left and he took a while to actually make his mind up. So I don't know. It was just interesting how he didn't have that same sort of confidence against uh, against Western uh, as opposed to Adelaide. But maybe it was you know coming up against someone like Leo Lacroix, who definitely put a couple of demons past him uh, these last couple of weeks by looking a lot more assured tonight. I thought. Yeah, well, Noon is an interesting one. Just just on that. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I I like to watch a bit of the bit of the the post game, and he, he's just I, I I don't recall who who from Channel Ten he was talking to, but yeah, Marcus Zappone he was talking to. Yeah, it was Zappone. Yeah, thank you. He's just put him aside for an interview there, and I I don't know what it was, but he kind of sounded like sick and tired, like he almost was coming off. Like yeah, a well, so, or something like that. yeah, he was it was interesting because Zappone was asking him about moving into that central midfield role and and yeah. accommodating, of course, for the absence of Devere and. He was just just he asking about sounded. you know when we when we told about it and stuff, and I think Noon was pretty confident in in playing in that role, and I thought yeah he he looked he was one of the better players for sure for Macarthur tonight. He, he was yeah, but I think but I think that that rotation out of that role and something that's going on behind the scenes again maybe I'm just reading between the lines here, but he, he seemed like he was kind of kind of bothered like he was doing he was doing the job, but it wasn't anywhere near as good enough um for for the team to produce their result and he also just again just to bring it up he just there was something off about him i don't, I don't know you've obviously clearly you've not got that vibe christian but but for me no, i don't, I don't know. know you're just, coming at this at a really really obscure angle and uh i'm i'm you know, it was just, just, it away, just something I, I noted him like i'm i'm just kind of thinking about the, the psychology of it really but yeah i <laughs> I, I don't know i, I noticed because again they're like they're, they're human beings they're individuals and with all this a-league all access stuff that's been going on with charlie austin I I just Jeez, that, I don't know. that, that just needs a whole fucking something pod sparked in you, man, and I just hey that needs a whole fucking pod in itself. Well, it does, it does, but but um, it just I don't know. There was there was something there that kind of kind of gave me a vibe that he wasn't okay with with the way things panned out. Um, so not not sure what that is, but Macarthur on the whole, as I said, you know, there's there's there were good sides and bad sides, so you can probably yeah. understand why someone is going to play well and put in a good shift, but also sort of be bothered in a way as uh, as Craig was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's more, I guess, result-wise, feeling like you dropped the points of gained one in the end. Well, it's interesting. Sorry, sorry, Antonis. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but it's interesting that you say feeling like you dropped the point. But Macarthur seemed very comfortable with the point by the end. I mean, they were taking time to take free kicks. They were, you know, just kind of going long. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's the way it did end up finishing up. Like mm. after Western United grabs a goal, if anyone was going to grab another goal that game after, it was going to be Western United. So. After you concede, I guess you do settle with a point away from home. But going back to noon, you know, I think you're out there. You felt like you had control of the game. You've played the whole game. And then if you start from the start and you had that control, then for you, it might feel like a dropped point. Um, And for me, this is the guy that played his out-and-out winger in his career. And he played as a... Um, wing back under Ante the past couple of seasons, so he really has me, been shopped around in that. In that, yeah, I don't think he'd mind a central role for what I think if he accepted that role and did it pretty well under Ante Milicic. So, who knows? Time will tell. But yeah, I think it was frustration with, I guess, how it panned out in the end. 
Yeah, look, he does strike me as a player who does like to have the ball at his feet. And definitely, you could say wingers, are, there's many wingers who are like that. But that does probably make it, maybe Dwight York has seen that in him and it makes it easier for, for a winger like him to transition into a central role because he does like to get on the ball when he does like to, you know, face forward and do all those nice little things. So, yeah, I thought he, I thought he looked, uh, looked good there. And quite one for Lockie Rose, probably up front as well. So that Arzani-Rose combination probably didn't work in the manner uh, that they wanted it to. But uh, for the Western side of things, again, uh, as we've been saying, they're solid. And I thought actually one thing that they started to get in their attacking play tonight was the fullbacks. Much more much more out of them. And you saw towards the end, I felt that Garuccio and Risden were starting to really pin back uh, the wing is on either side for MacArthur, and then they just—that's how they could get that total kind of control. And a really nice goal, really good goal from Western tonight. I thought, you know, we can. And Matt already mentioned before. Yes, look, the game was affected by a by a very poor crowd attendance and a, and a lack of atmosphere. But it was good that we still had moments like that where it was a, a really very well worked goal with uh, you know Payne getting the ball out of his feet, spraying it out wide, and Risden. He knew what he was going to do when that ball came, swung it across. Good finish by Wales as well. And that's what well, made them. Yeah, that's what yeah. made them special last year as well. Mm. You talked about that defense. Yeah. yeah, you've talked about that defense that wouldn't allow goals in, but a lot of their creativity came from that drive out wide. And as you mentioned before, with Priovic up front being able to link up the play, that was the other key later in the season. But from game number one last season, it was those fullbacks that were performing. Mm. So it's good to see them regaining that mojo. Yeah, that, it was incisive, and that's what they, as you're saying, they prided themselves on in their championship year was being incisive in the final third. And I, there was probably times that they were being too precise, and that's potentially what let them down. But I do want to see a performance like that with the Priovich up front probably does look different, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do want to see uh, how they are going to look when he comes back in. Okay, Matt, uh, any last thoughts on this game before we move on and talk a little bit about the Melbourne derby happening tomorrow? I think I, I just sort of gave the overall gist there. I think, um, yeah, I mean, if Previch is playing, maybe Weston had that bit, bit more of a spark. Um, but yeah, I think there was there's upsides and downsides and a draw fitting result. Not much I can overanalyze on it because it wasn't the kind of game where a lot happened in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a quiet one, but and in more ways than one. But um, look... That actually kind of leads me into my next point. Just really quickly, I don't want to, you know, I don't think either of us really want to crowds touch on the crowds too much, yep. to be honest. But just a just a thought, uh, Matt. <laughs> on... I just say yeah. that this is probably the first game ever where South Melbourne Mike's probably overestimated the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, there was there was a lot of jokes about. This is actually maybe no. This, this, maybe this is something to bring up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt. But the the seagulls. Everyone was talking about how oh, there was more seagulls than fans. But it, it was it just me, or were they particularly bad? Like they're usually yeah. really bad. Aiming or did or did it's bad. it's the noise. It's the noise. There's no noise mm. to shoo them away. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's not a joke. It's actually there is nothing to shoo them away. And you could see mm. it was with twenty minutes or so to go when who was it? Wenzel Holes had that header. I think the seagulls pulled him off, not the defenders. Yeah. You know, seriously, it was shocking. I could not believe how many of them were in the box. I'm wondering mm. if South Melbourne might counted the seagulls in his crowd count. <laughs> <laughs> very well. generous. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But uh, just on this, because I have seen a couple of people just say, like, look, you know, let's focus on the football. The crowds is what it is. But what, I mean, when, when we see something like that, what is it? mean bigger picture for these two clubs particularly when one has just come off the back of winning a championship 
the other one, a cup too. Don't forget, this is They're our well. yeah, community shield, isn't it? Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, it's that famous line from, I think it was David Gallup at the time, that we're fishing where the fish are. They've built or they've manufactured teams in those areas for a reason. They are developing areas. They're building up yeah. in those areas. That means... It's going, it's going to be a slow burn. It's going to happen over time. These are clubs. We've got clubs in the league that have been around for a decade that are still struggling for crowds. They're still new clubs. I know they've had success, but I think this is something to judge like in five, six years from now when yeah, those areas are built up. So time well, will tell. And but yeah, although it's COVID not great an right effect, now. Antonis, although COVID was an effect in particularly Western United's first season where it literally cut the season in half, um, you have to, I guess, in one way, actually commend that, that their attendances have almost doubled and gone up. They've gone from averaging literally like 1.5K to, to, to nearly three. Mm. Um, but that's not to say that 3K is a, a good crowd for, for the A-League's metrics and where they want to be. But honestly, I just I realise that because Australian sporting culture is so unique in that it's normal for NRL you know, AFL footy games to be getting these mega, mega crowds that literally don't exist anywhere else in the world. We're the only league in the world that pays attention to this stuff. And like, I've spent enough time watching obscure leagues around Europe, like your Swiss leagues and your Danish leagues, Romanian leagues. Guys, no one goes to games there. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a big deal. Yeah. People from overseas aren't watching this mm-hmm. saying, oh, the Australian league is such a joke. It's, well, it's very, it's very similar. I'd say, you know, you use the uh, idea of, Switzerland, for example, or Denmark's yeah. actually a good example, to be honest, because very similar in the sense you've got your, your two, three teams, Copenhagen, uh, Bronby, you know, th- these types of big clubs. And mm. then you've got, like we've got, you know, Melbourne Victory, Sydney FC, so those big clubs who will pull in attendances. And then you've got your your uh, yeah. less, you know, less fanfare type clubs who, who who are modest and they don't have their, their big crowds and probably have to look at things more from a community point of view, which is where we probably group the likes of a Central Coast Mariners. So, exactly. you know, yeah. exactly, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Again, I think, though, yeah, yeah, those crowds are actually, though, better than the majority of those leagues are, you know, average crowd, which mm. we... Mm tend to forget because the majority of the people making those judgments watch the Premier League, see Man United get 80,000 people in, they see the lower clubs get 20, 30,000 in, but that's not realistic because as you said, in Europe, it's very similar to this, if not lower. For me though, with Western United, the one big problem has been that stadium. You know, you're the A-League champions and you're playing 35 kilometers away from your Mm. heartland. You know, yeah. every week, week in, week out. How you, these fans haven't had a chance to buy in yet. Well, that's, and you're making that's, them yeah. get that commitment. They actually, you know, there's actually a really good point on this. They had a family day, um, like a big, a big, a big clinic with all the players and coming out to meet to meet junior kids who participate in the sport. It wasn't in Western Melbourne. It was at Gosh's mm. Paddock, where mm. Collingwood are based. What What are you doing? Like, I don't care if you're playing in the center of Melbourne as much because of your situation, but. It, the community events need to be in your community. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I absolutely that, agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at them playing at Amy Park tonight, but that's, you know, it's it's Vic Metro, right? It's not like, it's not regional mm. Victoria. So mm. that you, you already got your Melbourne, Melbourne cities and Melbourne victories of this world. They've taken and, those. And you know what? And fans, you know what? They so. don't have an excuse now about, about stadia problems with Perth proving that Macedonia Park can be done and, and, and mm. you know. The, the, the idea that they can just go to Knight Stadium or, or even build up Sunshine Cross, the women's team are going to be playing their entire season at 
Sunshine Cross. There, mm. There's actually options for them. They even played uh, Knicks last season in that really nice petite stadium in Ballarat. I mean, they can they can mm-hmm. do that kind of thing. Mm. They just uh, are refusing to. Yeah. For, because the the MPL clubs, I'm sure there is a bit of a feud there. I'm sure, I'm sure there is beef that none of us understand because we're not Victorian. But like, you know, there's the, there's the option there. And if they really wanted it, they would go out and get it. And that's the thing. You see them win the championship. And after they won the championship, my first thought was, this is great. How did especially, you take advantage the of this of the now? Grand final. They sold out the they yeah. sold out the entire bay. There's the, yeah. the footage of that dude in the in the top hat crying. Like you know, I just yeah. I thought it would be. But a you can't you can't tell me and like that goes onto the derby tomorrow. That's all that you can't tell me. People don't care, but it's how much you care. Yes, I want to support this new club, but am I really going to do a seventy k return trip on a mm. Friday night to go watch them? Plus, spend whatever they're charging, which they're. The ticket prices have been fantastic this year, yeah. but am I committed to go after work for a 70k round trip? A lot of people, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just my last point on this, it's interesting though, because this will lead nicely into our final just uh, topic of discussion, the, the Melbourne Derby happening tomorrow. And Melbourne City, of course, as Melbourne Heart, we... If I'm not mistaken, I was much younger at this stage, but we were having these similar conversations probably when they first started out, right? You know, and it's not like it's not like they're pulling in average crowds over ten thousand, but they are in the seven eight range, probably. You know, which is not too bad, and it's double maybe what West Union getting at the moment. And they feel like they probably really dark in retrospect. Yeah, what's that? There's this. I'll tell you. There's this meme page. All right, it's called uh, the the Green Seat Elite, and it's about what they do is they Count they the swap seats. the the attendances around. So that they say yeah. there were this many green seats when Melbourne City play. It's not aged. It's, particularly it's the, well it's the city, South city Melbourne market. You know, yeah. yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, it's not aged particularly well because Melbourne City are out there getting 20K to grand finals nowadays, you know. So mm. they've grown. But um, yeah, I think that there's there's the perspective around metrics and there's the perspective around specifically attendances. And I think you, you need to sort of balance them both out mm. and not be so fixated on attendances. And so sure. don't forget that Melbourne City is still a club that is not where he wants to be. <laughs> it's currently in victory heartland, if you want to say. Mm. They're looking at moving out east and making this their own area. Yeah. Well, what so, you'd love, yeah, you know, that's right, yeah. It, you know, what you'd love for the for the Melbourne situation is we know what victory we've got. That's established. That's never going to change. Great. Uh, Western to take that West Melbourne regional uh, Victoria out west, that sort of community and fan base. And then if City are going to move out east, then there's that spot in that community for them. So then you can kind of, you know, uh, becomes a kind of game of fitting everyone in, but you can kind of do that long-term. Yeah. And that's that's the long-term thing. Because if you see with the original clubs uh, that came into the A-League, it's Adelaide United, Perth Glory, very loose yeah. names. And then I mean, really, the that's last the thing. couple that's... of expansions, yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that because... Adelaide United, I mean, yeah, okay, they're Adelaide, but really it's South Australia's team, right? And Perth exactly, Glory, yeah, okay, exactly. it's Perth, but it's it's WA's yeah. team, so yeah. But now you see the clubs that are coming in, they're Western United, they're, it's MacArthur, it's the Western Sydney Wanderers, so mm. they're going a lot more specific because you can't just have generic FC times two or three mm. yeah. in a city. You need to be specific because that's what people attach to. Oh, yes, I'm West Melbourne, or I'm West Melbourne, or I'm East Melbourne, or I'm from MacArthur, that's what people attached to. That's what people want. You know, here in South Australia, I've got friends who support the Metro Stars because they are from northeastern, from the northeastern mm. part of Adelaide, mm. because that's in the name. That's their community. That's what they represent. You need that to 
give something for people to attach themselves to, to care about. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on then. I'm going to spend about five minutes just touching on this officially sold out Melbourne Derby that's going to be happening tomorrow. First of all, obviously fantastic news that this is sold out. It's going to be interesting to see what the just on the crowd stuff again, but what what the percentage is of victory to City fans. Hopefully, though, it is a nice kind of split, to be honest. Um, it will be, look, victory will have more, you'd imagine, but, you know, hopefully it's not it's not just like a massive sea of navy blue and then you've got like just a corner of City fans. I don't think it will be like that, but nonetheless, you know, it's just going to be sold out. This is going to be, you know, a fantastic event, you hope, for the league. And no one loses from being associated. Even if City mm. has by far the least, you don't lose because you are part of that game. Well, that, You're part that's of that right. atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You win that and you've got a sea of navy blue looking depressed with a little corner of light blue celebrating. <laughs> the optics are ridiculous. So, you know, it's you don't lose from that. And you go, we had that last week where we had the Wanderers victory game, which the atmosphere was great. But the game was bang average. Yeah. So, that, you know, that, yeah. Hopefully the game is good. That's even what... if it's not good. And I fully expect it to be good. The, mm. I was at the Melbourne Derby last year, the first one. It was amazing. I expect it to be good. But even if it's not, you don't lose because people will go there and think, wow, that was some atmosphere. Because a lot of people, we don't have games with that atmosphere in Australia. We don't have them in the AFL. We don't have them in the rugby. Mm. In football, we've got them a couple of times a year. These are special fixtures. This is what people go for what you buy your membership for when the pack comes that's the game you look for so it's so good to see it sold out i can't remember the last time we sold out amy park for a regular season a league game so it's mm. fantastic and i and it is yeah it's a stadium that is it's like it was built for football but it looks fantastic for a football match when it's sold out right so yeah you know when they play grand finals there it always looks great for example when, when melbourne city and western have uh, in the last couple of years. But uh, other thing as well, Patrick Isnorbo is the next guest on A-League All Access. So hopefully uh, Melbourne City get thrashed tomorrow so I can see just an absolute bucket load of swearing again uh, in the changing <laughs> room. That's that, that's what I'm hoping for um, I as think, well. Um, that was obviously a on joke. On the anyway. field as well, not to... Because I mean, what, what you've just said kind of dims the light on, on this point a little bit. But these are the two form sides of the competition. So we know that that there's there's the recipe there for a really good game, um, but Melbourne victory were were average last week, um, and so with that with that fire in the belly with City as, as sort of the one actual consistent team in the, in the competition, um, you'd have to say it's going to make for a really really good contest. Yeah, well, don't forget, yeah. yeah, don't forget City. Even though they've ticked all the boxes, have they really been challenged yet? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, and I think yeah. victory. There seems to be this feeling leading up to this that they were, you know, definitely in the aftermath of that Wanderers defeat, that it was nowhere near their, which it wasn't, mm-hmm. nowhere near their levels. And it sounds like there were some stern words after the game. So yeah. I expect them to come out and to really, you know, press high and take this game to mm-hmm. City. And my thing with City is you get punched in the mouth, you know, early when you don't expect. How do you respond to that? Because last season we saw they did not respond well at all today against the top four sides. They didn't beat one in 90 minutes throughout the whole season. So it's fine getting the job done against Brisbane, who even with an extra man struggled to get it into your box. But when you play your rival sold-out stadium against a squad with quality, against a squad that's really well set up defensively with some quality that can get you on the break, how do you respond to that? So really interested to learn about both sides. Yeah, and look, I don't think Marco Tilio is going to start this game, but what 
if you had to put odds on Patrick Snorber being asked about Marco Tilio tomorrow, what uh, what would you price that at? Because uh, I think that's oh, you lose that's money. A... You lose yeah, money if yeah, you bet on yeah. that. And I think you lose money as he should be asked. As he should be asked, yeah. especially if you don't win tomorrow and you don't start someone without much quality. You're the coach. You know you can go yeah, and come back with those. I'm going to actually. I'm. I will defend him in that he he is the head coach of the Melbourne City Football Club. He doesn't he doesn't care and he doesn't have to care what's good what's good for the Socceroos and what's good for Tilio. You know? Not talking about the Socceroos now, but if City does not beat victory tomorrow, if City does not score tomorrow, if City scores less than victory tomorrow and you've left someone with that quality on the bench or you subbed him on late, you you're accountable to that not as a Socceroo, not for the Socceroos, but your own side. Because for me well, the look, way City want to play, <laughs> Tilio fits much better. It's the but- it's 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 always the case with managers, right? It is that the questions you don't want to answer, they're going to come up when you lose, and they're not going to come up when you win. Funnily enough, though, he was asked about it, even though they did win last week. But you know, more often than not, you know that is the case. So, as Antonis, I guess, is probably alluding on, is that if City get the result tomorrow, that question becomes more and more of a mute point. But there is an argument to say that they could be playing better with Tither, but at the end of the day, and I'll agree slightly with Matt here, is that two games have been played. Naboo started both and they won both, you know, and Naboo, I mean, technically, I think that was given as McLaren's goal, the first mm-hmm. one last week in the end, but really that was kind of his goal, in my opinion. So look, and he's looked okay. So at this stage, he doesn't feel the need to change. He he does have to focus on his team. That is the yeah. that is the reality of the situation, right? So, you know, as much as you know, we're all Socceroos fans here and we might want to see Tilio go on the plane of Qatar because we think he can offer something, you know, off the bench in one of these games uh, in, in the group stage. At the end of the day, because Norbert probably is in a tough situation. Who knows? Maybe he thinks Tilio should be on the plane, but yeah, maybe he just I, has I, to... I, I honestly believe, firmly believe, he doesn't He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. He made, <laughs> yeah. he, made it, he made it loud and clear in the press conference. You know, Marco's a good fo- footballer. They're a, a club. They're the, just about the only club in Australia right now that's that's got all the options that are available for them, and he's going to do what's the best for him and his football team. Um, but just on the on the point of individual players and, and who's getting picked for, for that particular squad, um, Arzani, with with regards to his lack lack of performance tonight, remembering full well that uh, Jason Cummins um, in in the Mariners he's already lost his first game. So that that six has become five. That's what I mean. And this is you know the, the margins are really tight become, here for A League players yeah. if they want to make this squad. So yeah, yeah. Four. so every yeah, minute counts. It, I mean, it's it's one that you know it's always going to be an uncomfortable um, situation for those players involved. But they knew what they kind of signed up for, yeah. and um, I think you know it's very circumstantial as well because if you're playing a really good opponent and you and you show that really high level, I think it speaks more volumes than having to do that same performance four or five times over anyway. So the 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 Tilio discussion is is it even even bigger in a perspective of, you know, if he wins this game for them, it's against Melbourne Victory, who are who are, you know, right now probably the, the closest team to well, that, that would that, that quality. So <clears throat> sorry, just on that, that would probably be the only scenario where if they win and he still gets asked about it is if Tilio comes off the bench and inspires and, them to win the derby, oh, well yeah. then he's gonna oh, be yeah. absolutely grilled. But wouldn't you like right? to, wouldn't you like to say <laughs> that one for the scenes Two, yeah. for the fact that we know Kisnorbo is going to be hounded about it. And three, just for the entire spectacle and the good feeling of looking at yeah. this Socceroo who's, who's holding the heels. Keep up and be having a field day. That'd be, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, if, 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 it, if it's 2-2 and Tilio wins the game in the, 
97th minute. I mean, I'm all for that because yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's headlines right there, the entire thing, for sure. And Tillia will get game time eventually. You know, last year he played, I think, was half <laughs> of the minutes of that Melbourne City play, which is decent for a young player. But in mm. my opinion, he should be playing a lot more. He should be on the plane. I don't know if he should be on the plane to Qatar or playing somewhere else in Europe to sign for another club. I'd say that too. You know, but, you know what's happening here? You know what's happening here, Antonis? Is that you're used to watching Adelaide every week where they literally give opportunities to 14-year-olds. Uh, yeah. and, you know, yeah. Adelaide, uh, that's another discussion for another day, which oh, Adelaide is doing. Yeah. No, I think the Mariners are a lot better at doing that than Adelaide, but that's another point <laughs> for another day. Um, <laughs> and with Azani, oh, yeah. I just want to touch on Azani quickly, that we're talking about him going to the World Cup right now. Could you imagine having this conversation about six months ago? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. No, he's it's definitely put himself. So right it's crazy back into the way that it. it's yeah. so just developed. that just the fact that he's even in this discussion is just props to him that he's come here, he's shown that oh, he's not gonna be a player that just gets lost in the A-League, that he is a top quality player in this system and could very well go off again in a year or two. So I'd take him to the World Cup because I think he can do things that other Australian players can't do. But even if he doesn't go, just that he's back and playing football, it's a big tick for Australian football. Mm. Okay, okay, Matt, last last thing on this, yeah. I'm just really pissed off with what Antona said. Um, Which part? <laughs> South Australia, from an outsider's perspective, you'll always have a really good academy system. And how how can you even have a victim complex like that, knowing for what's going on at other football teams in this country? Uh, like, let me let me just, elaborate oh, on it. Matt, Matt is like, if anyone if anyone from Adelaide United is listening to this podcast, Matt is absolutely in awe of like the of the youth development system. That, that's yeah. going on there. Just as and the I fact think, that the fact that Carl Viet gets these kids consistently in, in a top six football team, you're playing alongside the Hallorans and the Goodwins of the yeah. world. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, Antonis, let me but, put this like, in context for you because I didn't go into context because I wrote about this a few months ago. That what I'm getting at is the Mariners actually like a kid like Jason or Dark Farrell last year that Ian wrote about that you back him to actually be a consistent member of your squad throughout the year. With Adelaide, they're more trusted to pinch it, which is a great role as well. But mm. again, you can argue how much development you get out of it, even especially if it's not consistent. That's my only nitpick with the Adelaide system, which again, like you mentioned, does a fantastic job. I just like a bit more method behind how you do it. Because yeah, at times probably- it feels like, yeah. This is the next young kid. And then you got the Mariners who are saying, all right, this is your position. This is your job. Let me go back to Adelaide for a second with a young boy like Louis Derigo, for example, who broke out under Herchan Verbeek. And for me that year, he was probably one of the best sixes in the competition. Mm-hmm. What's happened since Isaias and Juan de Evinsan, who are both some of the best midfielders we've seen, but unfortunately, they've been put ahead of him in that sixth position. And now yeah. he's trying to rediscover himself as an eight, what's going to happen? Is he going to do it? Is he going to, is he not? I don't know, but has it affected his development? Absolutely. So I'm just nitpicking here, but they've done some fantastic stuff with the South Australian youth. They're going to keep doing it, but I'm just saying the Mariners have a bit more method and probably because they actually need it because they can't just bring in players like this. They have to rely on it, but it's great what they do. It's great what Adelaide does. And I want more clubs to actually do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
that's uh that's yeah just a really random tangent that we've just gone on there no um, well, no, so. no it needs to be said and yeah. it's the kind of thing that we need to be talking about in depth especially you guys as south australians and especially me as someone from one of these archaic, no, I, I agree i totally agree states at the moment i totally agree but this mini is starting to become a real podcast so um <laughs> we, we we better wrap this up so one last thing one last thing okay derby predictions matt uh, <laughs> yeah, that's say, right. I'll, I'll say, I'll say yeah. three true, three true city Tilio winner. Three two. <laughs> I love that. Tip. Yeah. Let's go, Antonis. I'm going. I'm sitting on the fence and going the exact same way as the one I attended last year. Two all draw late. Oh, what offensive! Jesus <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go two nil victory. I think they're pissed Ooh. off after last week. I think they're gonna come sheet. out. Yeah, firing the belly. Uh, I firing think the city. Belly. On Antonis's point, I think they just haven't really been tested yet. And I think they're going to be get a little bit of a culture shock. Jesus, voice break. They're going to get a little <laughs> bit of a culture shock tomorrow. So anyway, that uh, that will wrap this one up then. This FPF mini podcast, which is uh, slowly approaching 45 minutes, which is a little bit annoying. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll be back on this feed soon. Uh, hopefully having a special guest on actually next week. We've got a fan channel potentially coming on as well. So it's going to be interesting to get their thoughts and talk about their specific club. That's all I'm going to give away. And uh, yeah, that's it from us. And we'll, uh, yeah, you can listen to us soon.